0: Getting noticed by the right people is a talent. And while we've talked a lot about pitching on this podcast lately, I think we can all agree that life is so much easier when your ideal client finds you rather than the other way around. To get to that place in your business, it sure helps to have publicity a.k.a. other people sharing your thoughts and ideas on their platforms. That's something we can all use more of, right? Our guest for the 229th episode of the Copywriter Club podcast is publicity strategist Selena Su. She didn't waste any time helping us figure out what we should be doing to get more publicity for our business. And we think you'll get a ton out of this interview, too.
1: We'll get back to our interview with Selena in a moment. But first, this podcast episode is brought to you by the Copywriter Club Not in Real Life, or TCC NIRL. That's our event for copywriters and other smart marketers who want to learn more from experts like Joanna Wiebe, Carlene unglad Cole, Todd Brown, Jerisha Hawk, Joel Kletke, Amon Ismail, and more than a dozen others. But TCC NIRL is about more than just presentations. It's about connecting with other copywriters, helping you to form real relationships, true friendships, and maybe even a successful partnership with another copywriter. To learn more, visit thecopywriterclub.com forward slash TCCIRL-1. And if you don't remember that link, you can find it in the show notes of this episode on the Copywriter Club website.
0: Now let's jump into our conversation with Selena. So why don't you kick off your story? Just how did you end up as a publicity and marketing strategist?
2: Absolutely. Um, So it actually started in my mid-20s when I had a quarter-life crisis. I was clinically depressed. I was having trouble eating and getting out of bed in the mornings. And, um, I reached such a low point that my mom flew, you know, from Vancouver, Canada to New York at the time, just to be by my side, to help me get through life. And she would get on the subway and take me to work as if I was like a little girl going to school. And I remember saying to a friend, you know, I just need to find a way to feel better. Do you know anyone who can help me? And I learned about this life coach. And she would organize a women's group. They would meet every Wednesday. And so I started going to those. And I got exposed to these experts and authors and inspirational personalities. And that's when I realized that you know when people are struggling and suffering, um, they're not just looking for more information. They're looking for inspiration, whether they're someone that doesn't have a sense of life purpose or they're just really dying to strike out on their own and create their own dream business. Or maybe they are looking to heal their health or leave a toxic relationship. And I just really felt like, you know, the world the world needs more role models and there's nothing more powerful than these people that embody that message of possibility. And so I would ask my friends, have you heard of this person and that person? And they had no idea who they were. And so I just became really passionate about helping people that had an important message or product or service that they really felt like could help other people improve the quality of their lives and not to... Be that best kept secret. And so I started just being this like connector, you know, even as an introvert, I just had this passion for helping people that I admired. And so I would put entrepreneurs that I followed in touch with each other or in touch with the media, and they would start to get these amazing opportunities. And so when I did launch my business, um, I had a lot of support and people that wanted to see me succeed people that were willing to give me endorsements so that's kind of how my publicity business got started
1: so can i ask like what were the very starting things that you did in your business cuz i i think there's a lot of people who are listening to the podcast who have seen you or you know heard you elsewhere you've got this program that's massive that's huge is promoted by a lot of people but you didn't start there. You know, where did you start? Like, what was the first product or what was the first service that you started offering clients that really got you going?
2: Yeah, the first thing that I did was um, offer. PR retainer services where I would work with, you know, clients one-on-one to help them land publicity. Um, My first client um, or one of my first clients ended up being a little bit of a nightmare client. Um, I was being paid well. I was able to negotiate like a $4,000 a month retainer. And that was exciting because I'm like, okay, I just need two clients to essentially have um, a six-figure business. But what happened is I didn't know how to create boundaries and assert myself. um, And I was getting kind of pushed around by this client and it just reached a point where I didn't even want any clients. So I kind of was like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need new clients, but I only had one person. Um, and then, you know, I learned that a bunch of um, women that I admired, they were part of this mastermind group and, you know, I didn't know what a mastermind was at the time, but I saw that they were hanging out and learning and supporting each other and they all had successful businesses. And so I got on the phone with a coach, um, and, You know, by the end of the call, I was like ready to sign up for a $27,000 mastermind. I just knew, and I know it's kind of like crazy to go from making $4,000 a month to being like, I'm gonna be in this $27,000 mastermind. But I knew that I was someone who was smart, that I was able to help people. I just didn't really have like that plan um, to be successful in my business. But joining the mastermind, it taught me about how to create group programs now that I was in like this really great business program. And so shortly after, a number of months later, I created my own publicity mastermind, which started at 9500 for six months. And then when I did it for a full year, I increased the price of 24000 So being in that mastermind paid itself off very quickly because it helped me create a new business model. Um, so yeah, it, w- it basically went from one-on-one work. Um, to then creating a mastermind.
0: So I know you lived in New York for a while. How many years were you in New York before you left?
2: Yeah, I was in New York for 18 years. That's
0: right. Yeah. So I was there for for 12 years. I know our time there overlapped, even though we never met. Um, Can you just talk about how New York rubbed off on you, um, maybe for good or for bad business-wise, like lessons that you took away from your time in New York that have influenced you as a business person? Um, and maybe even personally outside of business.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, New York is such a magical city. And I'm grateful that I went to college there and it opened me up to a lot of different opportunities. You know, I would organize conferences um, at Columbia University and NYU where I went to school, undergrad, and then um, business school. And so I got to interact with a lot of high profile people. I had people like Ariana Huffington speak at my conference. Um, Patty Sellers, who had built Fortune's Most Powerful Woman in Business brand, um, and so forth. And, um, you know, there were a lot of opportunities there to be a connector and to connect with the media. I would reach out to people in the media um, who I didn't really know, but I would invite them to events that I was organizing. Like I would organize champagne brunches over the weekend with girlfriends and other people in the media. And the secret to getting, um, creating events that people want to attend is like basically having at least two anchor people that others want to meet. Like this famous person is coming or this really cool person is coming. And so, yeah, it gave me an opportunity to build relationships. Um, not that you have to be in person, but you know, um, it it can, you know, be helpful to have that as an option. And then I would say, like, in New York, um, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert, she talks about, you know, in her book, Eat, Pray, Love, how there is a word that encapsulates every city. I think for Rome, it's like sex. And for New York, it's something like. Wasn't it ambition? Was it ambition? It was, yeah, something like that. I think it might have been straw or maybe it's achieved. Um, but for me, yeah, I feel like New York has this striving energy where even if you're successful, even if you're a successful lawyer or an investment banker or, or, or you're performing on Broadway, there's always someone that's more successful than you. It's like never enough. And there's like this striving, like hustle energy. And um, I feel like that's a bit of my nature, like I'm very, you know, I'm a driven person. But I, I think that there's also something a little bit unhealthy about that and also being an entrepreneur. I mean, there's constantly reasons to stay busy, right? Um, So I think New York was good, but I did find myself, you know, at one point, like working all the time, well, many points, right, just working so much and realizing, you know, I'm really craving something different. So eventually I moved to Florida and then Puerto Rico. um, And I have a much more, you know, balanced lifestyle now, but I'm also grateful for all the lessons and experiences I had in New York.
1: So maybe Kira, we just need to move to Puerto Rico and the balance will happen. It sounds, uh, it's the magic, the magic elixir.
2: I'm up up for it. (laughs) It helps. Like when I lived in New York, like people were always coming to town. Um, And so there's always a reason to meet up with people. And, you know, because of my friend circle, someone always had some kind of party, maybe it's a book launch party or, or something else. And so you're constantly going out and there's something that's fun about it, but there's also something that's exhausting, where you don't have time for yourself. And where I live in Puerto Rico, I'm not like in, you know, the main city, I'm an hour away. And I'm, you know, surrounded by nature, I live right by the beach. And so I have a lot of time for myself. But I also have some very dear friends nearby. John Lee Dumas um, lives near me, along with a bunch of other entrepreneurial friends. So I think there's something to be said, like, just not being around people all the time or just, like, sh- saying, you know, like, okay, I'm going to take, like, a little sabbatical, right, and just take a break from constant social interaction.
1: I'm sold. Yeah, we're, we're on our way. So, Selena, I know we're going to talk a lot about publicity, um, but before we do that, can we define what, you know, when you, when you talk about publicity and, uh, you know, sort of getting out there or whatever... Uh, I know a lot of people have different definitions, you know, like, is it writing a couple blog posts? Is it something bigger? Can we define what that is so that we can really dig into this thing that you're so good at?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So publicity is all about getting your work, your message out to other people through like a third party platform. So it's not about you, you know, publishing something on your own blog or emailing your own newsletter, but it's, um, it's media outlets, um, places like, you know, magazines, TV, um, guests posting on other sites, podcasts. I also really think of influencers and experts as part of the new media today because a lot of influencers, they do have their podcasts or their newsletter lists um, and different platforms where they can really promote your message. Like maybe the interview isn't in a podcast, but it's an Instagram Live and you're getting in front of their audience. And so I think that, you know, every entrepreneur should be getting publicity and can be benefiting from it because, you know, it's one thing for you to tell the world, hey, like I'm the best at what I do do. But if you're the only person saying it, like the message is only going to go so far and mean so much to people, it's really powerful if there's a podcaster that's admired in your industry saying, "Oh my gosh, you got to check this person out. They're amazing." Or maybe you're on a list of like the top 10 copywriters to follow in, you know, this year and so forth.
0: So for copywriters who maybe are new to the publicity game, what what is the an initial way they can approach it so it doesn't feel overwhelming. And so it feels like something they can do because I think it's easy for a lot of us to just be like, well, I'm a new copywriter or I'm not a big name. How am I going to get featured on a big podcast or even on Forbes? Um, How can we make it more approachable for copywriters?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the first thing to do is identify your low-hanging fruit. Like a lot of us, you know, we think about that dream opportunity, this idea of going from zero to Oprah, and that's not, you know, what happens to anyone, right? And also you wouldn't be ready for that opportunity on day one. You know, you want to, you know, refine your your skills and get better and better over time. So I think a lot of us feel like, oh, we don't know the right people, but... Um, You know, many of us, if we were really to like think about it, like whether it's going through our LinkedIn profile or our phone or Facebook, there are people that we know um, that have podcasts or who have been on podcasts and could potentially make introductions to podcast hosts um, or people that have platforms where you could write. Um, You know, one of the things that I talk about is this concept of uh, the publicity pyramid. So if you imagine a pyramid There's different levels. So the bottom of the pyramid is your home base. This is your online presence. And, you know, we all should be developing that, whether that is, you know, our social media profiles, our website, a blog. But, you know, on these platforms, we're typically writing something. And then the next level is guest posting. And that's a natural extension of writing on your blog or writing for your newsletter. Now you're doing the same thing, but you're writing it on someone else's website and you can really distill your ideas. Um, And then from there, after you had experience, like really talking about your ideas and your expertise, then moving to um, podcasting. So that would be the third level, podcast or video. Now you're you're doing the same thing, but you're talking about it in an extended format. You know, it could be a 15-minute interview, a 30-minute, an hour interview. Um, And then the next level would be breaking more into mainstream media. So magazines. And typically, if you're in a magazine, they're usually quoting you um, versus you authoring a piece. Um, like you would with guest posts, um, and you really have to kind of get your sound bites down. And then for TV, um, now you're it's kind of like podcast, but it's you know a shorter format. Just like you know guest posts and magazines are similar, but it's like you know more sound bites because a podcast interview could be an hour. Um, the average TV interview is about three minutes long, so you really need to get your messaging down. And you don't want to start there on day one. You don't want to start with like the Today Show or some outlet that you're just not ready for. You want to start with you know, first of all, like, I guess really building your own online presence. So when people Google you, they're like, oh, this is a real person. And then you want to go to guest posting and then podcasts and so forth.
1: Let's say that my goal is Oprah, you know, zero to Oprah. You know, I want to hit that really big stage or I want to be on the today show, you know, that kind of thing. I know it's like a baby step thing, but is there a shortcut? Is there something that I can do that like puts me on the fast track to, to that really big name?
2: I mean, I would say the shortcut is building relationships with people that can make introductions for you. But the other thing, because I am someone who's seen as a connector, but, um, you know, there are certain things that can't be shortcut, right? So one of the things that you absolutely must do is you have to build your body of work because let's say, you know, Oprah's producers were presenting her with two options of different, I'm just going to use the example of a life coach, right? Right. And then like Oprah Googles One Life Coach. And she sees, ooh, she's got an online presence, a body of work. She's got a website. There's media logos. Um, I Google her name. I see that she's been doing all these different podcast interviews. She's written articles in all these different places, right? That body of work is proof that you are committed to your work, that you're showing up consistently, that you're building an audience, that you're refining and spreading your ideas. Um, If she were to Google someone else and nothing really comes up, um, you know, there there isn't any just like proof that this person is consistently putting themselves out there and sharing their work, and that person is not going to be seen as serious about their message um, or ready for that kind of opportunity. So I think there's no shortcut. You know, we all have to build our body of work, and it's not just Oprah. Maybe it's your ideal client that you want to hire <laughs> you. You know, your dream client. Um, I found that when people, for example, join my Impacting Millions program. They will put my name into Google, right? Or they'll go into YouTube and podcast interviews or video interviews will come up. Like the first things that come up in search engine results are, you know, our social media profiles, our website. And then followed by that, it's any kind of media that we get typically. And so if someone's investing in a high level program, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, they want to feel like they're doing their homework and getting to know the person before they make the investment. So I've had people listen to podcast interviews from like, two years, three years, five years ago and be like, oh my gosh, this was so helpful. And it just convinced me that you were the person that I wanted to work with.
0: Let's talk more about being a connector. I know that seems like, well, at least it seems like it might be natural to you. Maybe you've worked on it over the years, but do you think being a connector is something that we can all learn if we aren't naturally a connector? Because it does seem like It could give you a huge advantage if you are a great connector in the visibility space and in the PR space to make those connections and then open even more doors uh, in your own business.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think being a, you know, well, a couple of things. One is I think that everyone has different gifts, right? So we don't all need to be connectors or we don't all have to be, you know, great copywriters or great public speakers. Um, but one thing that I really do believe in is building relationships in business and adding value, right? Generously helping other people and one of the fastest ways that you can add value is through a connection, because it doesn't take that long to make an email introduction, right? I do, but whenever I make an introduction, I want to make sure it's a three-way win. So I'm, I'm thinking about, there's two people I want to put you know, in touch. I want to make sure that the person who is receiving the introduction is going to want to meet the other person, right? So it's beneficial on both sides versus someone just saying, oh, you've got an influential contact or someone that could help me, right? There has to be value both ways. And when that happens, then it's also um, I'm adding value, right? By creating that connection. So it has to be a three-way win. Um, but yeah, I think being a connector is important. And I think it, a lot of it just comes down from caring, about caring, you know? Um, you know, who could be Like I just met this amazing person, who else could benefit from knowing them? Or this person has this challenge, who is a person or resource or something that I could put them in touch with. So it's maybe, you don't naturally go there, but it's just spending like, you know, even an extra like two minutes to just think about like, how could I help this person?
1: Do you have a process for this? You know, do you sit down, you know, for like 10 minutes every day or, you know, an hour every week and think, who can I connect? Or does it just happen organically, you know, as things happen and come up?
2: I would say for me, it is organic, but I also think about how can you connect like at scale, right? So like, let's say, you know, when I was living in New York, um, you know, I would organize, I would meet up with people, but you know, you can only meet up with so many people one-on-one and, you know, like, let's say there's, you know. 20 amazing people you want to develop a deeper relationship with. You know, if you met them every quarter, that's like, oh my God, it's 80 in-person meetings or 80 Zoom meetings or whatever it is. Um, So I would, you know, meet people one-on-one to build a deeper connection, but then I would organize events and they might be, you know, a mixer where 30 people are attending, or maybe it's a dinner party for 10 people. And so you're not only like, deepening the relationship, but in the process, you're also connecting them with other people um, and creating more valuable value. So that's sort of, you know, scalable. Um, you know, another thing is I have great relationships with certain um, contributors at Forbes. And I know saying that it's like very coveted. So not only do I, you know, place my clients for those opportunities, but there are certain like business relationships that are really valuable or maybe someone who, you know, I feel like Um, They might be able to send clients to me in the future if they were able to see like, you know, my publicity expertise and maybe there's a way that I can connect them or help them in some way, right? Um, And so, you know, there's a lot of things where you could be helpful to one person, but you could also be helpful to 10 people or 20 people or 30 people by organizing the event or sharing that contact with multiple people.
0: I think it's easy for someone listening to be like, well... Selena can do this, like you're a unicorn. You can put together events and assemble people. Um, but what's interesting too that you've talked about is that you are you are an introvert. And so it's easy for us as copywriters because so many of us are introverts to be like, well, I can't do that because that's not my style. That's not my natural inclination as an introvert. So could you just talk about um, to the introverts, like what are our superpowers as introverts that actually – allow us and empower us to do a great job with PR and visibility because we're an introvert
2: yeah I mean I think that one of the benefits of introverts are that you know we're thoughtful and we think through things a lot and so I want to talk about relationships and I want to talk about publicity but there's ways that we can you know use our introversion to our advantage so um, I'm all about building you know deep and meaningful relationships and so when I would organize let's say like a, a you know brunch in um, you know New York, and I would call them champagne brunches just because it has a nice sound to it. Right, you don't have to order. Champagne. It sounds like more fun when it's a champagne brunch. Yeah, exactly, right. So it's like you know I understand that when I'm reaching out to people in the media or entrepreneurs, everyone's so busy. So you have to give them a reason to want to come. So how can you make it more fun? Um, you know, maybe pick a really fun restaurant that people, you know, would love to go to has great food. And when we've got six of us or eight of us, we can try, you know, more things. I'm thinking about, you know, who are maybe two anchor guests that are going to attract the other people. And, you know, what I would do is I would actually partner with a friend. Um, So me and the friend were like two of the people attending the brunch. And then let's say we each invite three people. Well, then we've already got eight people. At the brunch, you know, so it's not kind of all on you. Um, and I would also like to think about like, you know, um, like plan like two brunches at a time, because if someone was like, oh, I can't make it this Sunday, I'd be like, oh, totally get it. We're actually doing another brunch a month from now if you're interested in joining us, right? And so if you just kind of keep doing that consistently, um, you start building your network. And, you know, with the media, I think a lot of times, like, people will send pitches and it's kind of this spray and pray approach where it's like, let me get like this big list and let me just like copy and paste and send the same thing to everyone. Um, But, you know, just remembering that there's a human being on the other end and that if something feels impersonalized, then, uh, you know, automatically people are not going to pay attention. Um, So it's less about like, oh, I, you know, I'm so bold and I've pitched like, you know, like 30 places, but why don't you just focus instead? on just pitching like three or five places, um, but writing something thoughtful and meaningful. You know, one of the things if you're pitching yourself to a podcast is like, listen to three episodes. And if that feels like a lot, maybe listen to the first 20 minutes or something and really get a sense for it, right? Like do your research. Um, Because sometimes people pitch themselves for opportunities that aren't even a fit for them anyways. Um, But they're just like, (laughs) spraying and praying. Um, and that's not, you know, very effective.
1: So we've talked a little bit about, you know, being able to do our own events. You talked about the pyramid of, you know, how we can level up with our publicity. Let's say that I am a copywriter who has zero, you know, almost zero online presence. You know, I, I am that hidden gem, uh, that has something to share, but I don't even know where to get started. My Instagram is a picture of breakfast on vacation two years ago. You know, I am, I'm nowhere. Where should I start in order to start building that body of work so that someday I can get onto the podcast or I can get onto the local TV show or, you know, featured in a magazine somewhere? What's the first thing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the... Well, the first thing would be, yeah, developing your online presence. And so if you want to be known as a copywriter, then on your social media profiles, maybe it's, you know, your LinkedIn profile or your Instagram, like updating your bio so it's clear, you know, what you are about. Um, The next thing would be to have some kind of website, even if it's like a one-page website with like a one-paragraph bio, you know, stating who you are and a photo of yourself, right? Um, So that would be, like, a way to get started. You know, when you're pitching yourself for, like, opportunities, like, guest posting, um, a lot of times people don't necessarily need to see that you have a big audience. They want to see if you're a good writer, if you have um, something thoughtful to contribute. So, um, you know, the first thing that you need to get clear on is what do you want to be known for? What are your expert topics? Um, So for me, like, my main expert topic is publicity, And you want to think about like how does your expert topic connect to your core offer and so for me you know the main way that people work with me is through my impacting millions program you know let's say like 80 percent of people come through that okay well that's what i want to be known for um at one point i had a mastermind and we would talk about things like you know hiring team members or creating webinars and things like that and even though those are theoretically things that i could talk about in an interview but I don't want to because I don't want people coming to me asking questions about like, you know, how do I hire my first team member? How do I create my webinar? Right. So think about like, well, what is the way in which you help people? Is it one-on-one services where you are copywriting for them? Is it a group program that you have? Um, Like, I mean, even in this interview, like I've talked, you know, in a natural way that I have a program called impacting millions, right. I, I love helping people kind of go from best kept secret to being a star in their industry. And so Um, If you're clear about like making sure that it's obvious, you know, what you do um, and also like what is that topic that you want to speak to, in my case, publicity, which would lead people to my offer. And for a copywriter, they would talk about something that somehow connects to writing or expressing their thoughts or building their brand. Um, You know, it's important to have, you know, pitches and stories that are published that would eventually take people you know, back to you, right? And curious about, you know, signing up for your products or services.
0: So we've, we've talked a bit on the podcast previously about pitching podcasts and kind of that level of the pyramid. Uh, we haven't talked as much about mainstream media. And I know that's something that Rob and I have been interested in as well, because we've been on a lot of podcasts. Like we kind of, we figured that out, especially as podcast hosts. Um, but we haven't Figured out mainstream media and how to get those logos and make those appearances. So for other copywriters who are kind of at our stage, um, who are trying to focus on mainstream, what what are some ways we can get started in that space if we're not connected to someone who is working at Forbes or any of the big bigger sites? What are some steps we can take beyond building our body of work? We already have the body of work.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So if you're looking to get into mainstream media, then you need to get clear on what your mainstream topics are, right? So, my, so with expert topics, there's mainstream topics and there's niche topics. Um, my primary topic is a niche topic, which is publicity, and I say it's niche because when you think about you know, the millions of people that could be watching a TV show or const- consuming mass mainstream media, the average human being is not looking for publicity, the stay-at-home mom or the college student. However, uh, my other topic, relationship building and networking Applies to pretty much everyone. Everyone can benefit, right, from having um, meaningful relationships in their life. And so, if I were ever like, you know, what I want to um, be on national TV or have an opportunity where I'm speaking to millions of people, I could talk about that. Um, you know, Rob and I were talking just recently about how I released an article um, called "I Was in an Emotionally Abusive Relationship," um, even as a smart and successful woman, and the topic, I mean, sadly, but the topic of emotional abuse, right? That's something that can affect anyone. And that is something that, you know, I'm not just looking to speak to like my entrepreneur colleagues about, I'm really looking to, um, you know, educate, right, the masses about it and share my story. And so I've seen people who, for example, they teach webinar funnels or certain copywriting techniques that want to break into mainstream media, but they need to figure out what's a different expert topic, right? So maybe their expert topic Is making money online. You know, with a pandemic, people have realized that, you know, they need to find alternative ways to make money. And writing is one of the easiest ways to, you know, make money where you don't have to go back to school, learn like a brand new skill set. It's things that you already do, or maybe it's proofreading and things like that. So maybe it's tied to like making money online or working from home or, um, you know, there, there's so many other topics that you could tie it to that have a mainstream appeal. And it could still be what you want to talk about. But when you just position it in that way, um, then you can unlock those mainstream opportunities.
1: So in thinking about the kinds of publicity that we should go after, I wonder if, um, you know, things like the Oprah interview are things that we should maybe keep off of our list. And, and so I, I guess I have a question around, What kinds of media should copywriters be going after so that they are in front of the right niche or the right clients as opposed to this big general audience say on the Today Show where 99% of the people seeing me be there or someone else be there aren't actually interested in the things that we have to share?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it also depends on who the copywriter's clients are, right? So, um, you know, what their niche is. But let's say you're a copywriter, and you work with other entrepreneurs, right? Well, what kinds of publications are entrepreneurs reading? And what kinds of publications do they admire and respect, right? So they're reading um, you know, articles on Forbes and Entrepreneur and Inc. and things like that, right? Um, that they either find when they're visiting those websites or that people are sharing on social media. Um, so if you're a copywriter and you're featuring those kinds of places and your ideal clients are like, wow, I want to work with someone that knows how to break into those publications, um, but also like someone that has been basically chosen by them, right? Um, you know, when you're featuring the media, it's sort of like this, Um, you know, endorsement of your work, because it is selective. Not everybody gets these opportunities. Um, You know, a technique there, there's kind of two fun techniques I like to share when people are thinking about where should I be seen in the media? Um, So one is, you know, surveying your audience. So maybe like, let's say if you help people with a particular problem, right? So you could say, hey, you know, my entrepreneur friends, when it comes to solving this problem, you know, which media outlets do you consume? For example, you know, websites, newsletters, podcasts, and then also ask them which experts do you follow? Because I feel like that's part of, you know, creating your media list and getting to know who the new media is. So people will tell you like where they're getting their information from so that you can build a list from there. But the other cool thing is the follow the leader technique. So let's say, you know, you get names of you know, a dozen or plus people that um, your ideal audience is following when they're looking to learn about, you know, your area of expertise, you can simply go into Google and type in their name. So their name and the word podcast, and right away, like a list of podcasts that they've appeared on will appear. And you do that with five people. And then you have a list of like a couple of dozen of podcasts. And if the leaders in your industry are appearing on these shows, these are ones that you may want to look into and consider yourself.
1: Okay, there's a lot to talk about in here. Uh, Selena mentioned investing in a very expensive mastermind when she was first getting started, Kira. And I'm kind of of two minds on this. You know, I've heard people being very critical about, you know, that whole idea of pay to play and then of course we've got examples like Selena's where you know she jumps into something that was very expensive at the very beginning of her career and it paid off for her in a really big way. So I guess maybe the, <laughs> the way to ask this is as I'm thinking about this I'm I'm thinking that you and I maybe agree on this that you know we've told people who aren't uh, able to afford our programs you know not to borrow money not to you know to go out on a limb but there's something magical about putting yourself on the hook for accomplishing results that buying into a program like this can be. So like I said, I'm kind of of two minds of this. Um, I think it can be a powerful strategy for you know lighting a fire under yourself, but also something we need to be a little bit careful about because we don't want to create obligations that we're not able to fulfill on.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've joined high-end masterminds too, where it's, it, it's a bit of a stretch and maybe even too early where I shouldn't have joined it quite yet. And you just figure out how to swing it. I don't think that's feasible or realistic for everyone. And that could just end up being very stressful. Um, But yeah, I think the key is to find out if the program is worth it, if the mastermind is worth it. Um, We all know there are lots of really powerful, useful masterminds. um, But there are also a lot that just aren't worth the high ticket price. And we hear we hear about them frequently because we talk to so many copywriters about other masterminds they're in too, where it's just they're paying this exorbitant fee and not getting as much back in return. So I think for me, it's like I've done the research ahead of time to make sure that it is the right investment um, and to make sure it's the right timing and you're willing to show up too and um, get the most out of it, especially if it is a stretch.
1: Yeah, I I mean, for me, as I was thinking about this, I think there's maybe a couple of things to think about, you know, being very clear on what you're going to get out of a program, being really clear on who it is that's running the program and making sure that that's a person that you can trust, Um, finding out about the ideas that you're going to be able to get and, and are you going to be able to implement them immediately in your business? And maybe one other thing is making sure that the expert running the mastermind has actually built the kind of business that you want to build. So, you know, you don't necessarily uh, want to spend a lot of money on a mastermind being run by somebody who made a ton of money in real estate investing if you are trying to build a copywriting business or, you know, we could come up with all kinds of examples there. So finding people who have done the same kinds of things that you've done uh, in order to take that step forward, as, if, if those things line up, maybe it's worthwhile investing in a big way right up front.
0: Yeah. Or, you know, it could be you share similar values to the person running that group. So most likely they're attracting other people who share similar values if that's important to you. Um, I think it's also worth asking if there's any type of uh, refund policy, any type of guarantee. A lot of masterminds don't have guarantees, but some do. And um, I know for us, that's really important to offer because we don't want to ever... Have, make someone feel like they're stuck in something that's not valuable or just not the right people for them. So, I think that's a really important question because the right business owner running the program will want to make sure that you're in the right place and that you're not stuck paying for something for a year if it's not really the right fit.
1: Yeah. So, just kind of wrapping up on this idea, you know, joining a mastermind for, you know, thousands of dollars or even $24,000 a year, like what Selena did, not for everybody. But if you're in the right situation, if you know that it's going to light a fire underneath you, if you're in a, in a mastermind with people that you you know you're going to get those ideas, you know you're going to be able to get the connections, whatever, can definitely make it worthwhile.
0: Yeah. And for Selena, clearly she's a connector, which we learned in this conversation. That's why she's so great at what she does is a, um, in publicity. And so for someone like that, if your natural gift is connecting people and making those really strong relationships being in a mastermind is the best place to be because you can really show up and, um, and build those relationships and connect as many people as possible in that room. But uh, like Selena said in this conversation, not everyone's a connector. Not everyone has to be a connector. We can learn better connecting skills to help us um, improve our publicity, but that's not everyone's natural gift.
1: Yes, and while you're talking about this, you know, let's talk about that idea of connecting at scale. You know, we've talked with a lot of people who do this kind of thing. I think Brian Kurtz uh, has talked about the boardroom dinners that he used to set up. You know, where they would bring in eight or nine people just to have dinner together, and uh, that's obviously an idea that Selena's doing with you know with these brunches uh, and with other sort of super connector events. I think it's a really good way, especially if you can do it with two or three other people in your area, a really good way to connect in a non-threatening environment, you know, where you're just hanging out, enjoying a meal, asking questions, creating friendships and having two or three other people who are doing the same thing with their friends, all at the same table is a really good way to to expand your, you know, your community, your network, you know, your group of friends.
0: Yeah, and anyone can do it too, so even if you're more introverted like Selena she's proven that you can still do it. Um, It does may pay off to invite someone, maybe a friend that might be more extroverted, um, might be more comfortable being the center of attention. If you're planning larger events, it could help to have those people on your team or at least friends that are at the event to take the pressure off you. But um, that's something I did when I was living in New York City too. I'm building my businesses. I held similar events to what Selena shared. I think it's just also baked into the culture in New York City and quite common there. But we can all do this today, even virtually. I know we can't have dinners necessarily with um, eight people to introduce eight different people. but we can we can hold virtual events. We can even have lunch or dinner events or happy hours virtually we can go bigger and have summits or coordinate webinars. So there are plenty of creative ways we can connect virtually today until we're able to start planning and meeting um, in person.
1: Yeah, that reminds me, I'm gonna have to get together with a few of the copywriters here in Salt Lake City, reaching out to you know Sonny and Doug and Gwen and a few others, and just let's go hang out. Another idea that uh, I think is worth touching on, you know, as, as Selena was describing the publicity pyramid, You know, it struck me um, because, of of course, I'm asking about, like, the shortcut. Like, how do we get all the way to the top? How do we get to that, you know, Oprah interview? But as I started to envision the pyramid as a set of stairs, it makes a lot of sense. You know, you can, you can, it's best to take stairs one at a time, you know, and you easily move yourself up. You can probably skip a stair occasionally and still be fine. Um, And I suppose if you're in really good shape, you know, you can take stairs three at a time, no problem. But, uh, you know, looking at it from a business standpoint and this publicity pyramid, obviously, if you can, you want to start out at that bottom rail, building your own platform, your own website, and then, you know, leveraging up to the guest posts and then leveraging up to podcasts. You might be able to take two of those stairs at a time, but nobody is going to take five stairs at a time or six stairs at a time to get to that top level, no matter how good your business is, no matter, you know, what kind of condition you're in yourself it really is one of those things where you need to build on what you've done before in order to to use the leverage that that um, pyramid or that staircase uh, gives you. And so, again, just as I was thinking about it, I, th- I think that's worth repeating what she shared there because, yeah, you can't skip steps or at least you can't skip more than one step at a time.
0: And I love what she shared about your body of work. And it was just a really good reminder that we're all creating our body of work every day. It all matters, even the... the Um, any events that seem insignificant or even, you know, a guest post that seems insignificant may show up as part of your body of work when people Google you because they're looking, you know, to see if you'd be a good speaker at their event. And so I like that idea of like the long-term, building your body of work long-term, even as it may shift over the years. And maybe it's more copywriting focused now and it, changes in five years and is focused on something else, but it's still part of your body of work. And so we, we all have the power to control that and to build that so that we are ready for the next level of the pyramid. And so we have that body of work when we are, you know, waiting for Oprah to call. Um, it's all there and ready to go. So that really connected with me. And I, I think for the two of us, Rob, we're probably on the level of the pyramid where we are need to do focus on more Appearances on bigger publications. And we've kind of done the podcasting. We're not going to stop doing that and showing up on other podcasts because there's a whole pyramid, even when you look at podcasting, as far as like size, um, how many listeners, how many downloads. But I think for the two of us, that's probably the next level is just getting more publicity and those bigger publications.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it's so much easier to get the next level or, you know, two or three levels above where we are when we've built a really solid body of work. It it really is a necessary first step.
0: Okay. Anything else really stand out from this part of the interview?
1: Um, I mean, there are a couple of other ideas that are maybe a little bit smaller. I love her idea about, you know, using the follow the leader um, idea in order to figure out like, who are you going to pitch? So, you know, checking out uh, people that you admire in your niche or, you know, doing similar things and looking at, you know, the podcasts that they've pitched or, you know, the other places where they've shown up and then going after those same kinds of opportunities, maybe uh, not to talk about the exact same things, but to put your own spin on things. It's just a a good way to sort of see what that pathway is ahead of you Um, because other people have already done this. You don't have to reinvent everything. And so following what they have done as you build your own body of work and, you know, move up that pyramid uh, makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, and um, the most important part to me that Selena shared is just the question of what do you want to be known for? And that's, that's so huge as we grow as copywriters to know that piece of it because it's easy to show up in all the different places and not be clear about what you want to be known for and then the message is diluted and um, the publicity might not even be as effective. And so what Selena has mastered so beautifully is that she's really clear about what she wants to be known for. And everything that she does publicity-wise is centered around that. And so that's the key piece that we need to figure out as copywriters before we start focusing heavily on publicity.
1: Yeah, and this isn't necessarily the same thing as niching. Although if you have a niche, clearly you want to be known for those kinds of things. So you'll talk about that. But uh, even if you decide you don't want to niche or that you're going to work in several different niches, um, this is maybe something that crosses the lines of all of those or things that you can talk about um, that uh, aren't dependent on niche knowledge or, or know-how um, so that there is still a reason for you to show up in other places. So yeah, I agree. That was um, a good bit of advice.
0: All right, let's go back to our interview with Selena and talk about how things have changed in the publicity world since the pandemic. Can we talk about the, the landscape, the um, media landscape and how it's changed and even how it's changed over the last year, maybe because of COVID too. And so as copywriters, maybe what we should focus on visibility wise, maybe also what we shouldn't focus on because it's no longer working, even though it worked five years ago and just kind of like the changes and trends that you've seen over the last year.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say, like, with podcasts, for example, um, you know, a lot of the best podcasts are run by entrepreneurs who are really busy and they've got their own, you know, their own goals and objectives. They've worked so hard to build this audience of people that knows, likes, and trusts them. And so if someone's going to go on their show, it's not just whether you're an expert because there's a million experts. It's whether, you know, they feel like they would have good rapport with you, whether you have a good reputation and, and shared values. Not that people will always know these things, but, you know, people are looking at the bigger picture. Is this someone who, you know, there is this alignment that I would want to put in front of my audience, right? Um, And so that's why I think it's really important to build relationships and also focus on low-hanging fruit. Um, You know, when I go on to podcasts, like I'll share like my free gifts, like in advance with a podcast host um, so they can take a look at it and they can like talk it up. Um, You know, so there's things like that. So a lot of times when someone's appearing on a podcast, there's a tiny bit of a relationship or a friendship Versus sometimes with traditional media, like you might be coming onto a show cold, they've never heard of you before, you know, it's like someone, you know, the producer's like, let's put this person on, whereas like the podcast host is a person who is selecting the guest and interviewing the guest and, you know, has that relationship, whether it's a before relationship or they're looking to to build a relationship. So that's kind of... um, Something to keep in mind, and then the other thing I would say is that a lot of media they want people that you know are featured in their articles um, or on their shows, you know, to, to promote their episodes or share it in some way, whether it is you know sharing on your Instagram stories or your newsletter or Facebook and all of that. Um, it's a way to build the relationship, and also for the um, the subject, right? The copywriter, the entrepreneur, it really benefits you. I think that sometimes we think you know, if we get a piece of publicity, then we're completely done. Um, But that's really, you know, sometimes that's just where we're just getting started. It's important to let your existing audience know that you are being featured in the media, that you have this great interview for them to listen to, because it's a way of also nurturing that relationship with your audience when they, you know, get to understand your personal story at a deeper level or your expertise through an interview. Um, So I always talk to entrepreneurs about how important it is to publicize the media they get. And sometimes it might not be possible to publicize every single thing, but you do want your audience to be seeing your media pieces. And I mean, there's a couple of things that you can do. I mean, one of the things that you can do is you can send a newsletter out. You know, maybe it's like, I'm so excited, you know, um, tomorrow I have a big article that's going to be released in Forbes for the first time. And I would love your support. I'll be telling you how tomorrow, right? And I've seen people, all sorts of people do this, where, you know, they, they announce the article and then they'll give people a swipe copy um, and give their audience an opportunity to share it or say, you know, if you share my article, you could, um, you know, be entered to win like some amazing prize or a free spot in my course. And the articles that go viral, a lot of times it's also because the person featured in the article is helping drive some traffic to it. Um, so with Forbes, for example, if they see, oh, a lot more like clicking on this article, then they'll start to show up more prominently on their website and on their homepage, right? And then it snowballs into something much more. So I think the role of the entrepreneur really um, promoting their media pieces and and being engaged and like taking responsibility for the results of their media is something that we have to be thinking about today.
1: All right, Selena, you've convinced me uh, I need publicity. Um, But as I'm thinking about this, Uh, are there people who should not be seeking publicity? You know, maybe a stage of business that it's just not the right time or a kind of business that publicity can't help out or should everybody be looking for ways to to get out in front of their best clients and, and get media attention?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I believe that every entrepreneur can get publicity for your business because publicity, you know, is all about amplifying what you're already doing, right? So there's a reason why you got started in your line of work, right? There's like a passion. There's a story behind it. And there's also like problems that you're solving for your clients and ways in which you are an expert. Um, So, you know, you're already, you know, you have your personal story, you have your expertise and oftentimes, we're already publishing content on our own website or on our social media platforms or for our newsletter. So why not you know, put that on another website where more people can find about you? And you can also build your brand authority and a credibility. Um, so we already have content for publicity. And there is really an unlimited number of opportunities to get your message out. Even if you're starting small and starting on a friend's blog or a newsletter or a podcast or so forth. Or, you know, being a guest speaker in someone's program, like that's a really great visibility opportunity that could get you in front of ideal clients. So I think that everyone, you know, deserves to have their work amplified in some way. It's just figuring out, you know, what are the right opportunities for you.
0: And we know a lot of copywriters struggle with the mindset around publicity too at at all stages, not even just new copywriters around just like, who am I to be the expert? Who am I to pitch Forbes, um, to pitch podcasts? So I'm sure that comes up in your program and maybe even with one-on-one clients. What what does that usually look like and how do you advise um, them to work through it so that they
2: can focus
0: on publicity and not get stuck in that trap?
2: Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'll share a personal story because I can really relate to, you know, the fears around visibility. Um, when I was starting my business, I was, um, I had an opportunity to be interviewed by a client who really wanted to put me in front of her audience. She, you know, believed in my work and I was hesitant because I was really I saw myself as a behind the scenes person versus someone that was meant to be in the spotlight. Um, But I also knew how powerful publicity was because I was getting it for all my clients. And I also had that desire to grow my business and be seen. And so I said yes to this interview. And it was a Skype interview, um, you know, split screen interview. And I remember being really nervous about the interview. And afterwards, I watched myself and I noticed that I did not have, you know, great eye contact I was also talking way too fast. And I had my interns count my filler words. And at one point, they had counted 137 filler words, you know, uhs, you knows, ums. And I was so embarrassed. I was like, felt like I was watching this horror movie. And I remember saying, you know, we can't release this. This was such a disaster. Like, clearly, I'm not any good at this. And one of my interns said to me, Honestly, Selena, I think that it was a good interview. I really don't think it's as bad as you think. I think people will really like it. And I remember being so stunned. But then I also thought, like, what if that's actually true? What if it's not as disastrous as I think? And so I shared it with my audience and stepped away from my computer for a little bit. And when I returned, I um, there were there were emails from people being like, wow, I loved your interview. Thank you so much for sharing it. You really have a way when it comes to words and storytelling. And I remember being so shocked. I thought I had done a terrible job. Um, and so a couple of things come to mind, like these mindset blocks and mindset shifts. So number one is that we tend to be our own worst critic. And the truth is we're usually not as bad as we think. And so if we're like, oh, my gosh, I can't do a podcast interview or I, you know, I don't I'm not ready for this and that. It's usually not as bad. People don't care as much about the things that we think are so important. Like my website's not 100% up to date, right? Most people really don't care. They're too busy thinking about themselves. Um, Number two is that, um, you know, it doesn't make sense to compare ourselves to other people. And we have to compare ourselves to ourselves Because a lot of times, you know, we'll look at people that we admire and maybe they seem so eloquent or maybe they're like gracing like the TED stage and we're like, oh my gosh, I can never be on stage or, you know, speak in front of a group like that. And we have to remember that people that are doing those things, they've probably been doing it for a handful of years, whether they've been putting themselves out there for five years, 10 years, maybe even 20 years. And so on day one, we have to understand that we're not going to be, as good as we can be, right? Like, you know, if we actually choose to show up and get more comfortable being out there in the public, we will get better over time. So that connects to like the third big idea, which is that we have to take imperfect action. And imperfect action is the only way that we're going to bridge that gap from where we are to where we ultimately want to be. And the fourth idea is we have to remember that it's not about us. You know, I think about how I was so self-critical about how I showed up at in the interview, it was like all about me. Like, oh, I think I look weird and awkward and I talk too fast and I had these filler words and me, 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 But you know, why are we putting ourselves out there? Why are we helping people? Right? It's about the other person, not about us. And so when I do an interview or even when I watch an interview later, cause I still sometimes don't always have the best eye contact or there's things that could have been better. I just ask myself, you know, did I show up? was I present. Did I give generously? Um, Did the ideas I shared, the stories I shared, could that help someone? If the answer is yes, then I've done my job because I'm not putting myself out there for me to look good. I'm putting myself out there because I want to help other people, right? Or spread an idea, a message, um, you know, amplify, right? Something that I'm doing. So those four mindset shifts have really helped me. And then I would say it's also like taking small baby steps. And when you consistently show up, you get better and better over time. And what, what's really exciting is sometimes the things that are so completely terrifying after we do them um, over time, it actually becomes second nature and it can feel very empowering and now liberating, right? To, to put ourselves out there, to do the interviews, to be on that stage, right? Physical stage or virtual stage and share our, our work and message.
1: So I have a related question to that. Um, you know, what do you say to somebody who... They, they want to do the interview. They want to get out there and start talking, but they think, well, I can't talk about copywriting because Kira talks about copywriting. Or I can't talk about um, publicity because Selena got there first and she's already talking about it and I don't have anything new to say here. Or, you know, I can't talk about mastery because John Lee Dumas has already been doing that for three years. And what am I going to add? You know, what, what do you add or what do you say to that person?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's so many opportunities for publicity and people are always looking for different voices. You know, like with a podcast, you're not gonna have the same guest back 10 times and talk about the same thing, right? You're gonna be looking for, you know, typically different guests for every episode. Um, and even in magazines, you know, oftentimes in an article, they're not just quoting one expert on a topic. They may have, you know, five different experts within the exact same story. And also, you know, not everyone is going to resonate with someone who is maybe a top expert. You know, let's say if you're, um, looking for, let's say, business advice, right? You might not want to hear from someone who was like 30 years in business with like a really big company. You might want to hear from someone who is maybe two years ahead of you and really understands the challenges that business owners are facing today. Or maybe, you know, there are these really big deal famous copywriters that were, you know, famous back, you know, 10 or 20 years ago. but maybe there are people right now who are doing more relevant things or who are more relatable to you, right? So, Um, and I also know like for myself, a lot of people have been drawn to me because I am introverted and I understand, you know, the fears that hold us back versus maybe someone who's a publicity expert. And from day one, they were that person that was running to grab the microphone on the stage. And like, you know, I was born for the camera, right? Um, and and those people can be successful too, right? But I think, you know, there, there's just, there's really and truly space for all of us to get these opportunities. You
0: shared an article about, um, A toxic relationship and clearly like a vulnerable article. Uh, I know that you've posted other articles kind of similar to that where you really open up and share parts of different parts of your life. Um, Has it been something that's come easily to you all along throughout business as far as like sharing and opening the door to other aspects of your life? Or is it something you've done more recently? And as a follow up to that, um, what's been the impact of that and sharing this other side of? of your business and, and your, um, your life?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I wouldn't say that I've always been super duper open. I mean, I, I'm someone I tend to like lead with my expertise and yes, I've built relationships. And so people, you know, maybe I talk about like events and things that I plan. Um, but in terms of things that are so truly vulnerable, I am not someone that consistently puts myself out there in that way, But, you know, it kind of reached a point where I felt like this was something that I wanted to break the silence on for myself um, because I just really felt like it could help um, so many people. And when I talk about abusive relationships, you know, in my case, it was with a romantic partner that got involved in my business. But abusive relationships could be with a mentor, could be with a boss, could be with a family member, right? Um, And I think, you know, a lot of times we think that. Um, you know, like when I grew up, there was that saying, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I think it's normalized, like even in workplace cultures, you know, there are abusive bosses, even in political leadership, there are people that use like abusive language. It's like kind of normalized. And we think sometimes, unless I don't like have, um, like a bruise or a scar, right? Like physical abuse, like that's the only kind of abuse, right? Um, But emotional abuse can be really damaging. And, um, you know, it's something that I just really, really wanted to dive into um, because I think a lot of people can feel trapped. And sometimes we even feel trapped in like an abusive situation with a client and we don't know how to get out of it. And I think that when we're in these situations, there's a lot of shame. And we kind of feel like we even tell ourselves, oh my gosh, like we blame ourselves, right? Or, you know, we make excuses, we rationalize it. And when we put so much blame on ourselves and shame on ourselves, then we stay quiet and we stay stuck. And so normalizing that this is something that happens and we need to be able to recognize those patterns and eventually, you know, hopefully, right, find the courage to break free from that. I just felt like it would, it was really helpful. And I wanted to, with the article, you know, and I would love if you could link it up in the show notes, but, you know, I kind of share my thought process, which I think is really important. Like, how did I, you know, being someone who is smart and successful, like how did I fall into um, this, you know, abusive relationship? What got me to finally leave the relationship? What was I thinking during all the times when he would put me down? Why did I return to the abusive relationship? How did I finally leave? You know, just really understanding how people are thinking, Um, and I think you know, even if you're not in a situation like that, it can help you understand maybe what a friend or a loved one is going through, so that you can you know better support the people that you care about.
1: Yeah, I when I read that article a few weeks ago, it it was really eye opening and really uh, honest um, in your approach. And what stood out to me, like you just said. Uh oftentimes we think that that kind of abuse happens to a certain kind of person or a certain class of person. And, you know, where you're, you're saying, hey, look, I, I was successful, you know, I, you know, in some ways, you've sort of reached the pinnacle, you know, of what online entrepreneurship does, and still, you know, this thing was able to happen. And so, just reading about your experience and how you dealt with it, um, I applaud you for sharing it, first of all, and recommend everybody who's listening to to go in and read that because it just it was eye-opening for me in so many ways, an experience that is just totally foreign to me, and I think more people need to be exposed to and see uh, what's going on there.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I, and when I released the article, like hundreds of people wrote to me just saying how helpful it was. Um, a lot of people would say, you know, I had the same story just different details, because, you know, there are certain, um, you know, hallmark signs of abuse and things that abusers do. Sometimes it says that they have like this playbook somehow, but I I know they're not sharing a playbook. Um, But yeah, so it's crazy. And one person even told me that reading my story saved her life. And I don't know what specific situation she was in, but I do know that it gave her the courage to be like, I need to leave this situation right now. You know, and I wanted people to read this I mean, all sorts of people, especially people who are maybe in these confusing relationships right now. Um, Maybe they're in the beginning of the relationship, but they're like, "I don't want to go down this path." You know, it's time, it's time to end it. But at the same time, I also have like respect and understanding for people who stay in these situations. I mean, obviously, like we all hope that people um, aren't continuously getting abused, but you know, these situations are complicated and. For me, you know, what's interesting is like I didn't need to be in a relationship because of like the money. I could have left any time. But um, psychologically, you know, I felt trapped in the relationship. And also my unhealthy work lifestyle kind of kept me trapped in the relationship, too. Um, But, yeah, there's lots of reasons why people stay in these situations, whether it's, um, you know, children or money or just that they've been like brainwashed. Um, And the other thing is You know, I really love this interview that came out recently with um, FKA Twigs. And I don't know if you heard it, but Gail King basically said to her, you know, she's like, I know this might be inappropriate, but why didn't you leave? And that's the question that people get posed all the time. Why didn't you leave? And she said, you know, I know, Gail, that this is coming from a place of love, but I just have to take a stance and I'm not going to answer that question um, because that shouldn't be the question. It should really be to the abuser. Why do you keep, you know, abusing women and keep people trapped in this way? And the thing is, it was so bad. That's why I couldn't leave, right? So, you know, oftentimes people that are abusing people, they will try to um, keep them and control them in these relationships by maybe threatening them in some way or um, saying that they will release a secret about them, or a lie, or that they will hurt other people, or you know tarnish their reputation, discredit them. I mean, the list goes on and on. And so, the fact that people stay is just a sign of how bad the abuse is. That people are, you know, so entrapped. Um, so, yeah, it's just a topic that I'm really passionate about. I just think as human beings that care about other people and their well being, like we should, you know, educate ourselves on these topics and. I did send a follow up email to my list because there were like, I mean, I would say pretty much everyone was supportive, but then there's always like, well, I guess not everyone, because there's like one or two people who were like, I don't care about your story, or, you know, is Selena going to be writing more about this, you know, because otherwise I'm going to unsubscribe or whatever. And so I I did realize, okay, ridiculous. Right. It's so (laughs) rude. But maybe there was a disconnect. And so I wrote and I was like, you know, I know that I release a story and, you know, I know that you're on my list for like publicity and business advice, but, you know, here's why I shared my story and, you know, that I really, you know, I started my business because I want to amplify the voices of people that had an important message, right? Um, you know, or something that could really help people improve their lives. And like, I feel like I have this message in a way that I can help other people and I want to use my platform to help more people. And also when I think about, you know, helping entrepreneurs grow their businesses, it's not just about you know the strategies and tactics it's about the human being and if any human being is in a relationship where they are being abused and their boundaries are being violated they can't be their most expressed self the best version of themselves right and so i think all these things actually are very you know interrelated
0: it bothers me that people don't understand why that's an important message to share and and also why you're able to do it because it's your platform and you can share the messages that are important to you but Anyway, I'm glad that you shared it, and we'll link to it. Um, I would love to know. We ask frequently. Rob and I are curious about people's practices, kind of daily rituals, and especially because so many of us do know you, and you know, we we see where you've come in your business and how you've grown. I'm just curious, kind of how you structure it. Could be the the day or the week, whatever is easier for you to think about, um, so that you are operating at this next level, right? This kind of CEO level, um, thinking at a higher level than maybe you were when you were just getting started. So how do you think about your day or your week so that you're operating at that high level?
2: Yeah. I mean, a couple of things come to mind. One is, um, and I've been doing this for about a year, um, but I work out with a virtual trainer and I, I do that five days a week. Um, I just find that it's really powerful to begin my day with exercise. So I do 30 minutes a day, which is, you know, it's great to do it consistently, but it doesn't feel like a lot. It's like a great way to just kind of get started and to help me get like mentally and physically strong. And also when I was going through that emotionally abusive situation, I wasn't taking care of like my my mind and my body. So that has been like a really stabilizing force. And also it was great because, you know, with everything happening with COVID and you know, just, you know, we're, we're working in high stress times, right? So exercising daily has really helped me. Um, I also make a morning smoothie and I put my Organifi green powder in there. So I'm always getting my greens in every morning. I've got something that really energizes me. Um, Another thing is I'm always thinking about how can I delegate as much as possible. And two of my main tools for that are Voxer, you know, sending people voice messages and handing off tasks to them or sharing my thoughts so they can like take them and run with them. And I also use Loom a lot to record video. Um, Obviously, like we've always had email, I still use that as well. But I find that sometimes when I can talk things out, I can more quickly convey things to people um, so that I don't have to be, you know, taking on all of that. And I can lean on, you know, my team for support.
1: So Selena, you've come a long way since that first publicity project, you know, that you did at what, age 24. If you could go back and talk to that, Selena, just starting out, what one piece of advice would you give her?
2: Oh, you're making me laugh. 24. No, well, um, I am 38 right now, (laughs) but um, yeah, no, but it was in my mid-20s when I had the quarter life crisis, Um, but what piece of advice I would give, Hmm. I, I would say that. You know, this idea that on the other side of your greatest fear is like your greatest joy or your freedom. You know, when I started my business, there were things that were so paralyzing. It wasn't until recently that I would even like turn on my camera, even when I was like doing webinars or things, I would have my slides up and I would read from a script because I just wanted to control things. And I wasn't comfortable. Um, cause I was this perfectionist. Um, but I think it's so, for me, it's so exciting to really like witness my growth on so many levels. And when people think, you know, I can't do this, I can't be that, I can't have that um, over the years, you know, um, next year will be my business's 10-year anniversary. Um, I have accomplished a lot of things that once felt impossible to me. Um, And so, you know, you don't always have to know, like, how you're going to do it. You just have to have the intention and desire and commitment to eventually figure it out.
0: So you've teased the, the program a couple of times, but can you just tell us more about the program you're about to launch into the world um, and you know, what the transformation is and kind of what's uh, included in that for anyone who knows that they need help in this area?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I have a program called Impacting Millions, and it's all about helping entrepreneurs go from a best kept secret to really being seen as that admired leader in their industry. And I believe that publicity is the fastest way to gain that instant credibility. Um, It's a powerful way to reach more people and also really be perceived um, as that authority in your industry. And so I show people how to figure out what kind of publicity makes sense for their business because it's different for everyone and like what are the opportunities they should be pursuing and then how to get them. So we cover how to land, you know, incredible, you know, guest posts, podcasts, interviews, opportunities to be a featured guest expert in someone's program or mastermind group or virtual stage um, magazines and TV And some of the people that join Impacting Millions, they maybe just want one of the pieces of types of publicity or so forth. But we really show them how to get all of it. Right. So it's kind of like a a very complete product. Um, And then every month we have, you know, coaching calls where there are opportunities to get your pitches reviewed, um, get feedback on your story ideas and throughout the year. Um, we have additional like calls and, and working sessions and challenges um, to really support people with getting publicity. And we've had people in the program, you know, land um, pieces in Oprah Magazine to, you know, Forbes and top interviews. And I think, you know, when you have a goal that you're really passionate about, it's important to be a part of a community of like-minded people who are working on the same goal and can support you in getting there. So Impacting Millions, it's an online program, but it's also Um, There's also coaching, there's also community, um, and it's just powerful, like the transformation that happens. And, you know, for me, when I think about publicity, it's not just like, oh, I got this interview, I got this quote, you know, and yeah, that does do so much for, you know, credibility and brand building. But for me, it's also about stepping into your full potential, making that decision that, you know what, I want to be a leader in my industry. I want to be seen that way. I want to reach more people. I want to inspire more people. I want to really make my biggest impact. Um, And for me, I don't know, I'm the kind of person where I never want to feel like I didn't give something my all. I didn't know if I could ever achieve that goal or, you know, I always want to make sure that I'm pushing myself to really see what's possible. And so if anyone's listening to this and, you know, and especially like for the copywriters, they are actually my most successful students because they have an advantage because they're so good at writing and developing ideas and having these incredible thoughts for other people, not just apply it to yourself and your own business and your own brand. Um, so yeah, they, they tend to see success the quickest. So, you know, we love supporting our copywriters and impacting millions. Well, it sounds
0: great for many reasons, but also because it sounds like you serve... Entrepreneurs and copywriters at different levels. So it sounds like, you know, Rob and I could jump in there. And at our level, we're trying to get more like mainstream media attention and we could get something out of it. But also, somebody who might be more um, new to business could start at a very different level and still get a lot out of the program.
2: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I also want to share my free gift with your audience. So I have my Impacting Millions publicity video series. So this is a totally, totally free video series um, that they can get. And they can go to thecopywriterclub.com slash Selena, S-E-L-E-N-A. And so there are three short videos that really outline what you can do to get publicity. And each video comes with a free gift. So video one comes with a list of 200 media outlets to get your wheels turning, right, on some of the places that you might want to be featured. If you're like, I don't know where to be featured, that's going to give you some ideas. Um, Gift number two is a 12-month publicity calendar. So it's over 40 pages worth of story ideas, special dates and hooks to get into the media for each month. And then the third gift, which goes with a third video, is my seven-step publicity action plan to put all the pieces together so you're really maximizing the impact of publicity for your business. So like all the things I just talked about, you get when you sign up for the Impacting Millions publicity video series. And it's like hundred percent free. Um, of course, down the road, we'll let them know about impacting millions, and they can join us and go deeper. But even if you just sign up for the video series, you know that we give you and the free gifts, you're going to get a lot of resources to start getting more visible and you know making a bigger impact with your work.
1: Totally worth it to get on get on the list. Even even knowing that you're going to you know share additional information about the program, those three gifts. Could get we could make a lot of uh, a lot of headway, you know, getting publicity even before signing up for a program. So that's amazing.
0: And as copywriters who work with a lot of clients on lead magnets, <laughs> lead generation, this is just a great example of. A value packed lead magnet, and what we could create for something similar for our own businesses and for our clients too, because it's like it's a no brainer decision to.
1: Well, and that. it's applicable. It's applicable right. to our clients' businesses. So even if you know I don't want a, I don't want publicity for my own business, like every one of us, every one of us is responsible for getting publicity for our clients' businesses. And so it's just a tool that you can then use. So I, I think it's an amazing gift. Uh, everybody should go and get that.
2: Yeah. For, you know, helping our clients build their brand in some way, it's grateful to have like an understanding of publicity. And the the second gift, the um, publicity calendar, people have been using that not just to map out like their publicity plans, but also their social media content, their newsletter mm-hmm. content, like everyone from new business owners to even my, you know, people that I know who have eight figure businesses are like downloading this and they're using it and sharing it with their teams. So you know, definitely check it out at thecopywriterclub.com slash Selena. Okay. One more thing, just like it's related and it's actually, it's, I just like to make things a total no brainer. So when you opt in, um, at thecopywriterclub.com slash Selena to get the video series, you actually have a chance to win a trip to Puerto Rico. I don't know if you guys knew that. No (laughs) way.
1: Okay. I'm in. (laughs)
2: Yeah. <laughs> the only thing is they do have to watch the videos they're short um but you know we'll ask them a couple questions and they'll fill out a form just to so that we know that you know you consumed it you got the value and then one person will win an all expenses pay trip and who doesn't want to go to puerto rico and drink a pina colada and get their toes in the sand that's
0: very very tempting especially during quarantine where i'm like i will go anywhere um I mean, just because we're marketers, I want to jump into your funnel and just see all how you've constructed the entire funnel and the giveaway because that's how that's how we operate. But it sounds sounds amazing. <laughs> sounds so, pretty good.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. You've sold us, and uh, so that's a great start. So, um, anything else, Selena, before we wrap? Um, any other places people should go if they just want to connect with you beyond the giveaway and the lead magnet? If they just want to connect and say hi.
2: Yeah, I would say um, go to Instagram. I'm at Selena S E L E N A underscore Sue S O O, um, and I would love to connect with people if they want to say hi. Um, and then on my Instagram stories, they'll see the behind the scenes of my life in Puerto Rico.
1: This has been amazing, Selena. Thank you for sharing you know so much about like how we can be getting publicity, so much about your business, but also you know some of the personal struggles that you had. Um, Really appreciate your willingness to share and just thank you so much for for what you've taught us.
0: That's it for our interview with Selena. But before we go, let's recap a couple more highlights Selena shared, starting with um, the whole idea around not being a perfectionist when it comes to publicity, and how perfection striving for perfection can really hold you back in this publicity space. That um, I'm glad she shared her own story about that to kind of make it real. Um, but I know for me, uh, as I speak on different po- on our own podcasts <laughs> to begin with, and then other podcasts, I I have learned just to kind of move forward and not analyze every interview every audio clip. Um, I think there is time to critique and to improve. And I don't think we should just ignore everything we put out there in our body of work and just keep making the same mistakes. But I also know it's helpful to know how you function best. And for me, I function when I'm not being highly critical of myself. Um, Otherwise, I would just stop. I would would stop and I wouldn't continue pitching podcasts and showing up on different shows and in different places. It would kind of stunt (laughs) that growth. So for me, it's really important to not overanalyze. How, how does that work for you, Rob?
1: Yeah, it, the same. Uh, you know, When I listen to our podcasts, I hear myself saying the filler words, the ums, the ahs, the rights, all of the other things that I tend to add in, even not realizing it as I'm talking. Uh, it drives me crazy when I listen back on that stuff. But even with all of that stuff in there, I think that what we've been able to share in the podcast is really valuable. And, you know... My questions have gotten better. The things that we ask bring out good information from our audience. And so I just have to set all of that stuff to the side. Think about, you know, okay, I'm trying to improve. I'm getting better. At least I hope I'm getting better. I'm, I have a feeling somebody's going to add a comment. Actually, Rob, you're not getting better. So, you know, maybe more practice here, but you're right. You have to just let that go because if you're worried about showing up perfect, you'll never be able to show up. And yeah, there's, there's a, time when you, you need to put on the, the ring light or you know you want to put on a nice shirt or whatever the thing is in order to show up in a very, in, in a good way. But the fact of the matter is it really is far more important to show up and share value than it is to do it perfectly, to sound the best, to be wearing the right thing, You know, the, just being out there in the world, uh, making impact is the thing that matters.
0: Yes. So what, what else stood out for you as we wrapped up the conversation?
1: So the other thing that uh, really jumped out at me is that you know getting publicity is really just the start of the relationship and then there's all this other stuff that should be happening along with that. So yeah, you get the blog post or you get the podcast interview or you know the feature on Ink or whatever But then it's incumbent on you to start to promote that, you know, so that you're providing value back to the person who gave you that opportunity. You're sharing your audience with them, or maybe it's not promotion, you know, maybe it's some kind of return of favor or something else that you're doing in order to maintain that relationship that publicity isn't about taking, 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 but there's a lot of giving that has to happen here too, in addition to the value that we give there are other things. We want to share our audiences. We want to share ideas. We want to share connections, all of that stuff. And so thinking of publicity as the first step of you know creating um, valuable relationships, I think is something else that hadn't really occurred to me before Selena started talking about it.
0: Yeah. And you can also think about it strategically too. And I think Selena did a beautiful job, as I would expect, of sharing some highly valuable lead magnets with us in this episode. And Um, So I think giving value to the other person on the receiving end of whatever you're creating, whether it's a podcast interview or a guest article or something else, is really important and figuring out how all the pieces fit together, like giving the best lead magnet um, and also thinking about how that will help you stay connected to that person because they're going to get on your list. And then now you can nurture and build the relationship and potentially work with that person or um, stay connected and figure out if there's a good collaboration at some point. So um, I I think it's almost like a masterclass in the way that Selena even, you know, sat through and this interview with us, the way that she pulled together the pieces. So it was not just a podcast interview, um, but it was something that could add value to listeners, adds value to us because we're happy that she's creating something for our audience To share and also will help her too. will help her business will help her grow her community reach new people and stay connected to those new people so for me it was just really fun to see her in action
1: yeah i agree she also you know asked for that pretty url or you know that dedicated url it's the copywriter club forward slash selena we talked about that before the whole episode went because again she's thinking like how do we make it easy for the listener to find the stuff that i'm giving away And we've had a couple of other people do that on the podcast, but not very many. Usually, you know, they leave it up to, let's just link to it in the show notes or whatever. And it makes it far more memorable and far easier for somebody who is listening to this while they're in the car, you know, driving a carpool or picking up groceries, or maybe you're out on a run or whatever to remember how to get all of that stuff that she just gave away. There's there's not three or four links that you have to remember. You just have to remember, go to the website forward slash Selena, and it's all there.
0: Yeah, it's so smart. I should be doing that when I go on podcasts, but I have not been doing that at all. So again, we can all learn from this as we're focused on our publicity
1: so Selena shared the article, you know, where she talked about her her relationship and I don't know that we necessarily need to go into, you know, that again. Um definitely go read that article. It's um, her experience is amazing and what she pulls out of it is a great lesson for all of us even if we're not in that kind of a situation. But it struck me as I was, you know, listening to it again, um that The ability to share content like that with an audience that you have built on something else—you know, where she's talking about publicity and you know how do you go out into the world—and then she throws this uh, very personal article about something totally different. Um, She gets permission from her audience to share that because she showed up so many times with good content with value that they appreciate. She's you know uh, connected with them on a personal level, so that now when she has this really important message that she wants to share. Uh, she has permission from her audience to do that. And I think, you know, a lot of us could be doing better with that. You know, there are things that occur to us uh, in life. You know, maybe it's vulnerabilities. Maybe it's, uh, you know, something that we believe very strongly, you know, philosophically or politically or whatever. And you earn the right to share those kinds of things with your audience by sharing value over and over and over. If all you do is show up and, and share personal things, uh, that's a different audience. And, you know, it's it maybe has a different impact. But because she's done this for you know, literally 10 years, creating value, when it's time to share something that's that important, she's able to do it and get the appreciation from her audience. And so again, another really good lesson on why it's so important to show up, give value and and create the right kind of publicity with all of your audiences.
0: Yeah, it seems like it's just, that is the, the perk. Uh, one of many perks of uh, being in business and building a strong business is that you can highlight... Causes and experiences that will help other people, and that may have been overlooked if you weren't Selena and you hadn't built this uh, huge community. Um, People might not have found her article. uh, People who really need to read the article. So I think that's that's what motivates me even to grow as a business owner and and connect with more people. It's to talk about more issues and more, more struggles and, and more of the, the real stuff that isn't always about marketing, but affects, affects marketers too. So I love that she did that. I think more business owners, um, could do that in the way that she did and it will only help people and then strengthen the relationship people have with the person behind the brand.
1: Okay, so thanks to Selena Sue for joining us to talk about publicity and her business and for sharing her experience with emotional abuse. To get all of the stuff that Selena mentioned, you can visit the show notes for this episode where you'll find all the links, or you can just go to the copywriter club forward, sorry, the copywriterclub.com forward slash Selena. And there you'll be able to watch the videos that she talked about. You'll be able to enter to win the trip to Puerto Rico and also possibly win the one-to-one coaching with Selena that she talked about. I'm definitely entering this giveaway because I think hanging out with Selena in Puerto Rico would be a blast and maybe even game-changing for our business. So once again, go to thecopywriterclub.com forward slash Selena for the videos and for the chance to win a trip to Puerto Rico.
0: That's the end of this episode of the Copywriter Club podcast. Our intro music was composed by copywriter and songwriter Addison Rice. The outro was composed by copywriter and songwriter David Muntner. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please visit Apple Podcasts to leave a review of the show. And don't forget to get your ticket to the Copywriter Club Not In Real Life event by using thecopywriterclub.com backslash TCCIRL-1. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.
2: Copywriters coming together To help the world write
1: better Copy and make more money Kira and Raps Copywriters Club Can make you lots of money